Welcome to the Queen Divas Queens of Fitness podcast. Join your hosts, three-time WBFF world champions and WBFF royalty, Alicia Gowans and Stephanie Ayala McHugh, as we explore all things female health, training, competing, mindset, and living the fitness life every day. Okay, so super excited for what will be episode 18, oh my gosh, of the Queen Divas podcast with my beautiful co-host, Stephanie Ayala McHugh, who is now the (laughs) four-time World Diva Fitness Ah! Champion and finally the official fucking goat. Oh, cool. (laughs) So 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 awesome. Oh, it still feels so fucking weird, honestly. (laughs) It is. You know, just because you always envision it you know Ali like from from when you started your journey I think this was I never thought myself of like a four-time champion anything like ever I just wanted one crown like honest to god just not being real with everybody here I just I think every girl that starts their journey within WBFF if you know with WBFF it's world beauty fitness and fashion and it's a pageantry fitness competition where you do get a crown and a crown is the epitome of winning you know <laughs> the world's or uh, international show um or a regional show even um but it is very very um the prestigious level that you just kind of like see yourself at and so one for me I was like one and done and I wanted to be done honestly and now my journey just continued and I just it's still like mind-blowing to me that I'm still going and that I'm still competing <laughs> and that we're for like I don't know. It's just weird. I don't know, guys, but I, I'm really blessed and I'm feel overjoyed and um, all the support and all of the messages and everybody that was throughout my journey, just being such a, a, a very big outlet, you know, you, Ali, um, your team. Oh my gosh, your team's so beautiful to me. They're always so nice. And I can't always- wait to see you. They're always like, I'm going to get a pitch with Steph. There's such I love it. It's such an awesome feeling. And um, just all the followers and every every one of you that has messaged me and um, you know just supported me along the way. So thank you, I really do appreciate it. So so I um, think um, look, I think most of our listeners are going to want to hear about you know what it you know what was going through your mind and what was different between previous preps to this one, and especially I guess with how you were combating you know pandemic and all of the challenges that the rest of the planet's been facing when you know that it is something that you are defending, when you know that it is something that, you know, we we didn't know which way it was going to go. We spent an entire year of prepping last year, the both of us with no show even coming into sight, which meant that we didn't progress like we would normally progress. Like talk to everyone through that, because I think, you know, this is something that a lot of people would find super interesting to hear about your perception and experience in this space. You know, I think, Number one, a lot of people forget that I was actually prepping for this. Like you said, since last year, um, it wasn't just this year that I was prepping for the show. Uh, So I definitely wanted to finish what I started, number one. So last year when I started prep, I never got to step on stage. I I got to go to the shows. I got to go to Miami, um, you know, Orlando, Bahamas, and watch everybody step on stage. And that still was kind of building up that ammunition for myself to get back on stage for my own redemption. Just for everyone's competitive journey, I think that the biggest thing that you should take home with you is that it is about you versus you. As as corny as that sounds, as much as you see it and hear it around, it really is you competing against your previous self. If you can improve and showcase yourself and growth, um, show obviously those improvements from show to show, 
you're going to feel so much better internally. And of course, judges are going to see that. So for me, it was about coming and showing myself better on stage. I, I didn't have a good prep going into Bahamas. I think that it was actually one of my worst preps. It was, uh, it was really my worst peak week. It was, it was like, it was a mess up, honestly, for me and a lot of things that I wanted to correct. I wanted to do better. So going into last year, the show's being canceled. I was so sour. I was like, I need to get back on stage. I just need to get back on stage to prove to myself that I can make these improvements and that I can come back and, and just redeem myself for these things that I was so upset about that I did going into Bahamas. Um, so here we go, going into 2021, again, re-prepping, assessing, thinking that we're going to, um, you know, go through with the show. And then things are kind of going backwards. Oh my God, these last few weeks prior to World Valley, I was starting to get all anxious again, thinking the same things that happened last year, like things were starting to shut down again. Um, cases were starting to rise. Yes, the restrictions started going up again. Vegas started putting a mass mandate. I thought maybe the show... Uh, potentially may not go on. I think that's actually the last um, episode that we were chatting about. Like maybe things are happening. I was still very positive, but things started creeping up on me as the days went on that I was like, oh my God, maybe this is going to happen again. <laughs> you know. Um, but what has grounded me the whole, whole way has honestly been having the routine of my actual prep year round. I think a lot of competitors take seasons and a seasonal competitor is only going to show seasonal changes. And I think that if you really keep yourself going year round, so it wasn't a year round thing for me, it was actually like a couple year prep that yeah. went to the show. Um, even though we didn't make a massive building phase, we we actually learned that throughout these last couple of years, I've been able to build off of a maintenance phase a lot more than what I actually did during these episodes of building phases that I would take for six months or let's say six to eight months and then start tapering down for prep. In reality, I actually stayed in maintenance phase for six to eight months for the last couple of years instead of those prep, like those building phases. So it was pretty incredible to see how much I was able to still grow in those maintenance phases um, versus a building phase. So that was one of my biggest takeaways for myself going into this prep. Um, what I think I noticed um, for you on a development and improvement zone was 100% legs and boots. Like you yeah. really didn't grow at all. And I want everyone listening to this to take this home. She did not grow her upper body mm -hmm. at no. all. Actually had to bring it down. So yes. I, so my, my, my biggest thing from previous shows was not having as good balance and symmetry for my upper body to lower body. I always still... Um, needed a little more glutes and hamstrings for as big as my quad development was. Um, I needed to bring down my traps and back to match my posterior chain for my glutes and hamstrings as well, um, versus trying to bring up glutes and hamstrings to match my upper back. So instead, reducing my upper body size and not growing it, um, as, but also focusing on these areas in my lower body that specifically weren't um, isolated as much as my um, you know, particular exercises that were hitting my quads and glutes. I needed to work more on my minimus, my medius, as well as more of my hamstrings. Um, all these things, I really needed to kind of bring in a, a more symmetrical lower body and more abs. I think the biggest thing for me from Bahamas in the previous show, which was um, Vegas again, I, I still suffered from not having dominant abs because I didn't have a, a developed core, honestly. Like I didn't have 
enough muscle maturity in my ab wall to where I needed to add more density. And that was one of the other bigger focuses that I had to bring in over the last couple of years. So um, what did you do? What did it look like? What was the strategy to bring up these areas? So with abs, uh, so many are like, oh my God, I'm going to get thick, thick waist with, mm -hmm. you know, weighted abs and that's going to, you know, thicken my waistline. By no means is that going to happen. Um, I think if you are doing a lot of compound movements that are extremely heavy and you're doing like power lifting movements, then yes, your erectors are just going to start thickening up um, pretty, pretty naturally. But if you're just doing weighted core, so like I've started doing a lot of weighted V-ups, a lot of hanging crunches, uh, oh my God, so many rotational uh, type of exercises, whether if that was Russian twists, I mean, there's just so many things that you just need to load time under tension, the actual ab muscle, the same way, same principles that you do for resistance training with quads and back, you're going to apply to, to abs. So uh, a lot of tempo, a lot of tension, higher reps, <laughs> um, hitting it more frequently throughout the weeks, not just doing it once a week. <laughs> so doing the frequency helped a lot. Um, and then with my glutes and legs, it was also frequency. So trying to increase, not to, not to just three times a week, but also how often I split up my, um, my muscle group. So a lot of the times we focus on just glute, 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 glute for those three times of the week, when in reality, I needed to actually focus on the glute and hamstring portion and strength, um, and then start isolating for just, so I actually only have like one isolation day for glute throughout the week for a long period of time. I think women get so obsessed over, uh, yeah. you know, getting this activation and, you know, doing so much band work when in reality, we just have to get these compound lifts to get stronger. And then we'll be able to, you know, do some more isolated exercises um, for fun. But um, yeah. so, yeah, that was the main principles, honestly, a little bit more frequency, more load, uh, more time under tension for all those muscle groups that we just talked about. And I think with my diet, I think this is the funnest part because I was more in a maintenance phase. I never really allowed myself to go into this, oh, I'm super flexible and I can eat whatever I wanted because I always knew I was trying to still maintain for shoots and I was still trying to look somewhat relatively good for the shows. So it was more about actually letting myself be at a good constant amount of carbs versus normally I like bumping up my fats at some point of the year to try to add on a little bit uh, more size. And this time I only played with more carbs, guys. It was pretty awesome to kind of uh, see how my insulin resistance um, this year really got, uh, really improved, improved versus before I would get really inflamed over having a lot of carbs versus now it's like, I can give me all the carbs. I've been actually working really well with them. I think that your body can respond a lot more when you play around with your maintenance levels versus just trying to push in the surplus and adding calories in when you don't really need them. Um, I know we always have a goal of building, but um, biggest, biggest takeaway guys, I, I was able to build during um, the majority of the year of me being in maintenance. So that was yeah, my big- 100%. 100%, I definitely don't feel like you need to be in an excessive surplus to be able to achieve physical progression, that's for sure. I think that's where people come into that, you know, um, really nasty zone of gaining unnecessary ratios of body fat to lean mass. And it only becomes far harder to get that off coming into a stage. So if you are capable of being in a recomposition structure and focusing between, you know, maintenance just below, just above four periods, then I think you're going to get much better results and just be much more comfortable in your off-season shape too. There's nothing worse. We've both done those uncomfortable development zones where you're just growing in a point and a rate where you're like, 
far out. <laughs> Actually, it's kind of how I feel right fucking now. Oh. <laughs> it's not about, it's not about gain, gaining for a crown, which is very annoying. It's probably been the most frustrating world for me. It's been, I was so happy for you. That was the, the best moment for me, was watching you achieve a vision and a dream that we both stated we wanted and I was unable to be with you but it was beautiful you were so mad Sally like I can't even express like the competitor okay guys I just to get this off my chest because this has been on my chest the whole freaking time this world was not the same like I know this world was considered a world but to me it wasn't a world because Mm. there wasn't every country there um Australia you guys weren't there Brazil, you know, UK, yeah. and we, although we had a couple competitors that did like all the, the crazy travels to be able to go through Mexico to come into the US to still compete, like still we didn't have all of the countries that normally compete and I, I always want the best, like I want to be able to go, go up against the highest caliber athletes all over the yeah. world, this is what I started this for, I yeah. wanted to go up against the best and um, I just, I, I really felt like my heart was crushed when I found out all the countries that were leading up to restrictions didn't get their you know obviously um travel ban lifted and it was it was one of those things that I think right up to the show I was getting so sad that I didn't feel like it was an act like I felt like I was doing a regional show and I hate to say that I hate to say it but it was more of a I just feel I didn't feel like it was uh, the world I will say the stage and um the events and everything that led up to it they did phenomenal they did exactly what you know world's expected to 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 showcase and that's what made up for everything and the stage itself and the backstage and you still get to make all these relationships and oh my god the best part for me honestly was the fact that I got to hang out with so many of my my own clients I mean we had 25 competitors in the show Allie like this was by far the most I've ever taken on for a world um, because normally we're focusing on just, you know, buckling down for ourselves and focusing on, on the prep for me. And this time it was a very big, different experience. So because of that, I was able to kind of like step away from that competitiveness because I was having so much fun. I really was. I was helping my clients. I was, you know, making sure things were uh, in places, you know, things go sideways last minute, bikinis being broken. That happened too. (laughs) And like a couple things that, you know, you're running around. So you don't really think about it. Um, But it was one of those things when it finally sit, it was stinging. I'm like, Hattie's not here. Rachel's not here. Allie's not here. I go, oh my God, like all these competitors that make these shows so, so amazing. I felt, I felt, you know, my heart (laughs) kind of crushed, but you know, I feel like this, this era right now, I know I'm I'm really, really sad about you guys' shows being canceled because I was really excited. Yeah. Um, My, my biggest heart goes out to you guys even more now because you guys not only couldn't attend our show in the U S now you guys aren't going to be able to do your own show, which still just mind-blowing to me because it's one of those things where we were expecting to see the biggest best competitors come out of Australia to then come out to worlds next year right and meet for an actual world (laughs) well I think that's definitely what's going to happen I mean you know and I said this to you off air some of the physiques that we had and some of the people coming through for October mad mad lineup across you know what I mean it's it's looking at it and going I'm excited for when the the world reopens and we do have that proper level of competitiveness happening I think it's going to be super exciting I think it's going to make I think anyone that attended worlds this year that attends the next one when everyone's there will just be like holy shit 
this is a whole other level like that's what it will be like and um you know even for us watching it it felt like that like I was watching it going oh man oh you know like everyone's missing like all Mm -hmm. the biggest best names all of the all of the you know longest standing highest physiques that you normally would always say right exactly so you just you were just for everyone in the audience I was like oh man like it was a great show and there were some great bodies there 100% not denying that but for anyone that then watches it when when it's like it usually is you're just gonna be like holy snap this is like yeah, it's, it's going it's from not even half of the amount of people that normally no. would even be in the show. Let's just put it yeah. from that perspective. So yeah. that alone lets us know, okay, things need to definitely ramp back up world yeah. and get yeah. open back up so we can all get back on stage together. You yeah. know, so <laughs> all of us from all over the countries. Um, and I you know, think I think to anyone, you know, that has been in the top 10 lineup of this year's world, that is that is your motivator is knowing that for you to even be able to stand in a top 10 again, when a world reopens, you'll work hard, work hard, fight for that place, fight to turn it up, fight to battle it with the ones that normally stand there because it will be a battle and it's going to make it so much more fun. If it is a challenge and it is a competition, that's what you're there for. You're there to work hard and then be like, yeah, I've I've got to turn up and put my best on this stage and then not just stand on it but work it because if I don't I'm no longer going to be in that place and I think that (laughs) that to me and this is actually what we were talking about Steph and we'll jump into this because I think mindset is a huge thing in this sport right it's a massive thing and what we often see is people fail because they lack the fortitude of going it it's not expected for me to have this place so I've got to earn it And if you lack that, and if you walk into it thinking it's going to be easy or walk into it thinking you're entitled or walk into it and think, you know, I've done the work behind the scenes, you've got to remember everyone else has too. And genetically, there might be someone a little better than you who's also worked and also has talent. I mean, you can never expect anything. But my point to this is that the day that you think you're going to turn up and there is no longer any kind of competition, I think you're redundant because that's not what a champion sort of thinks like a champion is literally like i'm going to win it but i know i've got to work for it you know like yes yes it's different and and you know what i think that also with what you just hit is satisfaction i think a lot of uh, people get satisfied and complacent with what they've done and kind of where they've gotten and that makes them super cocky and you know obviously makes them believe that they will win or maybe even the pressure of thinking that they have to win um even kind of destroys their whole journey and i think i've watched so many competitors honestly fail because of either others putting too much pressure on them themselves putting too much pressure on them unrealistic expectations i need to win my first pro show i need to win my first worlds and all these things that set yourself up literally for a a failure situation not saying that you can't do it but what if you don't all right like you're gonna then feel like you are so lost out of control you're gonna feel depressed and you're gonna feel like a complete failure versus you can set up realistic expectations um let me 
aim for top 10 in the world in my first exactly. world. Exactly. Um, and my first pro show, aim for my first top 10 or top yeah. five, heck, if you really think of it as a, you know, competitiveness. Um, if you're thinking of, you know, your first show in general, like just stepping on stage, hell man, if you can just get to the stage alone, you're going to already do okay. But if you're, you know, it's your second time on stage, maybe not just stepping on stage, but maybe now breaking through the walk and the things that you messed up on the previous time. So self-improvement, self-development. I, um, I think too, the biggest, the biggest lesson that most people should have learned from COVID. And if you haven't yet, then I think it's, it's probably a sign you still have some mindset work to do is that the stage is literally an accountability stick. It's basically mm -hmm. something that just keeps you really honest to the process because you know, it's there, right? but it is not the reason you're doing it. It shouldn't be like, it really shouldn't. It should be to be the best you. It should be to be the healthiest version of yourself. It should be to be the fact that you're challenging yourself to achieve a physical goal that you've not yet achieved in life. So you're looking to get better from last year to the next. It should be about the, you know, the, the role model you become for your children or for your family or for your peers. There should be a million fucking whys behind your stage journey that is not reliant only on that stage. So that yep. if stage gets cancelled, if stage moves sideways, if the date gets changed, if it gets postponed, delayed, what if, if napalm blows it up the day before? I mean, whatever happens, it should be that you should sit in that moment and as much as disappointment or frustration which you're allowed to feel is felt, it should be momentary. And then you should literally be like, reset, recoup, regather my focus, for something next or at least celebrate how far you've come and what you've achieved right now because i think that you know the biggest thing that we see as coaches is where someone's own detriment you know of, of looking at a stage and going well now that that's not there i've got nothing and they go and throw themselves in the pantry biggest fucking mistake you can make well, you have got everything because every every reason you're walking towards that stage is still there every single progression and celebration of wins you've made should still be being done it's just because you don't get half naked on a stage and shake it from $5 metal shouldn't be the thing that defines your happiness or your success up to that point, right? Like, I really don't think so. It's, it's more than just your physique. And I think we get so, so mm. tied to the abs, the glutes, the legs yeah. and the condition side of the look, right? The way our physique looks that we also forget um, all these things that you just mentioned, right? Yeah. Like the journey and the things that are otherwise, like, what is it that even made you start in the first place? And, it, and hopefully it wasn't just for a pair of abs. Like I know if that <laughs> is, you know, that is one of your journey uh, goals, that's okay. But hopefully that's not your only why, you know, because they, there needs to be some other deeper ones for you to be able to understand that this is way beyond the stage and the stage is just a stepping stone. Uh, I love how you said it was just, you know, obviously got, um, yeah, a, it's like, a I, I believe it's, it's just a vehicle, you know, remember that. The driver is still the one that makes the vehicle go anywhere. And that's you. You still have the same amount of power over yourself, your direction and your outcomes, regardless of a stage. And what I see so often is people go, throw it in the fuck it bin and it's all over now because the stage is gone. Well, no, it doesn't have to be. No. It can be another goal. There can be a change of, you know, focus. You can do photo shoots. You can do... Yes. So many other things that still enable you to go, I've accomplished this and I'm proud of this and I'm proud of this moment and I'm proud of this point of physique at this point in time. I'm proud of everything I've gone through, overcome, you know, 
obliterated in my way to get to this point. And I, I think that just because a stage goes, it's not going to be gone forever. Like my love of God, you know, a stage is always going to be there. It's yep. whether or not it's a definite confirmed stable stage, probably not with COVID, but, but it's definitely not in Australia happen. at the moment. Exactly. Oh my God. Right. Like Jesus. But, um, but I think that because of the landscape at the moment globally and the, you know, this unprecedented pandemic time, um, it's better to almost be anticipating no stage regardless. Yeah, that's, that's, and that way then if you're prepping knowing, hey, at any point in time, this could move. And if it does, I'm going to be fine with that. If you can get to the point where I, I'm, I coach like that now. So my coaching process has changed. Thanks, COVID. And it is now one where I'm a 360 degree view of everything's nailed, everything's ready. We are so going to be peaking on time. If it does not, here's our backup plan. This is our contingency. This is strategy number one, strategy number two. And it's like that. All of my team now know that we may or may not make it. And it doesn't matter. If that doesn't happen, it'll look like this. Our backup plan is. And you've got to be like that. And if you're listening to this and your coach doesn't talk about anything like that with you, that's fine. You create your own. Work on your own mental space that, okay, if that moves, that changes, this doesn't play out, I'm going to do this and have a have a resolve internally about your direction so you don't get to a point and there's a crossroad put up and you're like, I'm directionless now because it's, it doesn't have to be that way. And I think that there's two ways that we should probably talk about this because I think that it goes without saying it's primarily for the people that have shows cancelled. But I think it's also the same for people that get to a show and don't get the outcome they want. It's the same thing. They're like, oh, well, Jesus, I had everything on winning. Really? This is your very first show, love. Why, why would you automatically assume you're going to win? Like, we would love to aim for that. But this is a really tough brand with some amazing physiques and people turning up every time they've turned up maybe three or four times before this. You know, it bothers me more because they see others do it, that they expect themselves to be able to do the same thing that others I would question this. So did that other person get onto a regional stage with only three or four people on stage? Oh, that's probably why. You want to look at the variables here, people. Or, or like when they even, and I, I hate to always resort back to this one, but it's always one that I'm like, I want to win my first Worlds. And then they they refer to like Rachel. I'm like, I want to win my first Worlds. And like, <laughs> I want to win the World Championship. Like, you you have like, people like, say. Rachel's a unicorn, you guys. Like, come on. Like, this woman is. How many people have you met like her? I mean, like, I mean, don't say, I don't understand where they come from. This, like, I'm no actually have to win their first world. Like, I'm actually I know. laughing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I mean, it though it bothers me because a lot of a bothers lot of, you. I slap them. A <laughs> lot of Ali, me and I'm like, I'm like, really, because you're not a Rachel number one. <laughs> but number two, it's like, look, I think uh, people forget that some people do have a talent you know some people do have a gift you know genetically and um maybe they're gifted in other areas like with performance and you know and maybe some people are going to do better on their first show than what you will do let me tell you i was not that person i went out there i did not know what i was doing i went out there i waved at carrie I didn't do a routine. I didn't even know I was supposed to pose. <laughs> so <laughs> it's not about, um, you know, obviously nailing your first show. It's really about just knowing how to belong with the brand, what you need to improve on, what they're looking for. I think Look, a lot of the times we forget. Exactly. First Worlds, first Worlds is literally 
your opportunity to be seen, and secondly, your opportunity to understand where in the pecking order you currently sit. Correct. Then the gap is identified for where you need to be. Then you create the strategy throughout the year to bridge the gap. And guess what? The people above you would have done the same thing and already been ahead of you again. So the best you hope for then is an improvement on a higher ranking. You still don't expect to win. For most people, I'll throw this out there, you're probably going to be working for several years. End and of story, as a pro. Let, and we could even put, uh, let's put Michelle McDonald as actually one of the examples. I know a lot oh of- Oh my gosh, she's been doing this for 10 years. Yeah. You know, she's been literally doing this as a pro. Yeah. And I mean, it's as a pro and a, an yeah. amazing pro for that. Yeah. For like 10 years. For 10 years. And this woman never ever gave up or used an excuse yeah. that they didn't like her or that, you know, that she got cheated out of her placings or that she didn't win because, you know, political shit, like honestly, all this other stuff that you'll always hear. It's so not true. It's because she, just, just like you said, Ali, she, she, she knew that what she yeah. needed to do was bridge that gap. And she yeah. kept year after year after year improving and getting better, improving her placings. She didn't just come from one show, um, you know, and then just win. She actually went from one show to then placing first in top 10, then from top 10, getting in the top five, then from the top five, yeah. got in the top three. And yeah. after the top three, being next yeah. to Ali at Worlds and Bahamas, she finally, finally after yeah. the next in her yeah. next pro show gets the ability to, you know, win a crown. She did bump up every year, um, but it's a process. And for some people, those realistic goals are so important because you have to assess your muscle maturity, yeah. what the brand again is looking for. And keep remembering yeah. how I keep saying what the brand is looking for, because every yeah. brand looks for something different. And with WBFF, it's a beauty and fitness brand. So there's a lot of stuff that we have to remember that come into play. It's not just your physique. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But it's not the winning physique. If you don't have the marketability, if you don't have the presence, if you don't know how to carry yourself. So um, it's definitely one of the things that you have to work on. And maybe you had the best physique and you keep improving your physique over the year. And what you needed to work on was your presence then yes, you may actually have that ability to kind of go from a not top 10 to maybe a top three because you might've just been missing that key of presentation. But that's a very big difference. There's not very many cases like that, that someone just doesn't know how to move their physique and they're just like ready and already have that muscle and look amazing. So most of us have to develop, hey, that strategy to know what improvements to work on and then be able to come back and just show the judge that we worked on those improvements and, and just continue yeah and then i think too the biggest thing to take home from this too for everyone listening is you don't just keep bringing the same shit every year you don't know you're not Amen. you better come back looking different every single year different vibe different energy different posing different suits different style different fashion different looks different 100%. hair different makeup do not bring the same shit because you just won't, you just won't continue to work up the ladder. If Allison thinks that she sees the same thing every time, and you're just vanilla, she'll get she'll bored. Classify you as boring. You she'll will not. You. It doesn't matter how good you look. You she'll will not get looked at. She'll yeah. overlook you. Yeah. So you better so, mix it up. You know what? I saw a girl in Australia go pro wearing beige shoes, plain beige shoes, like plain AF beige shoes. And yeah. all I can say is, don't ever make that mistake, people. Like, <laughs> don't. When you are at Worlds, from the toes up, Allison will judge you. You best be bringing your A game from head to toe. 
inside scoop, everybody. Allison's so big on the shoes, and shoes. even more so, she's always shoes. been big on shoes. But right now, she's so mega on she's them. So Every girl up there at this Lost World had such blinged out shoes i think the shoes yeah. are like a fashion shoe show right now like it is almost a yeah. whole yeah. show i couldn't stop staring at heels they were probably better than the bikinis in my i've face. been and you've been <laughs> with me on a judging panel with alice and we're at a judging panel with allison and we have had three girls in a top lineup very close physically beauty wise moving pretty clearly she broke the three in points okay. based on shoes so I, I I will tell you now, when I watch this show here, I'm like, oh my God. How dare you? <laughs> what is that? You know, like I I honestly had a moment where I was like, if Allison was here, she'd have kittens. Like you just can't, you just cannot. Every detail has to be meticulously planned and it has to be fashion forward a hundred percent. It's not just about blending. It's about going above and beyond and standing out and being a diva. You yes. need to be a diva. Yes. And the shoes will always bring up that extra. 100%. Sure. 100%. Because, because you, don't really wear, you don't really wear an excess amount of jewelry. You really don't. No. I actually, with the suits. competitions of no. WWE, it's really not about the jewelry as much as the bikini speaking for itself yeah. and the heel speaking for itself. Um, and right. because we're on that WWF topic and like kind of what Allison likes and not, just a tip for everybody listening. Um, please don't bend over on stage. I think these are oh, like gosh. that um uh we're now that we're just kind of talking about the competitions and um you know yeah. do's and turns. Yeah, that that's one of the things that is just an absolute no, 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 no. You know, no. I just actually on I this saw- note, we talked about this offline, and I just want you to confirm this with me. Don't look, anyone that's going to look at Worlds just past as a direction setter for where they're going with their shows moving forward, please be careful with some of the posing you would have seen because there was a lot of posing on World stage this year that is not really great. <laughs> or, or what we would have normally. I think it got a lot of people confused, okay? <laughs> uh, it really would like it really would have. I've had a lot of people message me about it and asking me questions about things. And I'm like, just no, just no, none of that. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. And I know you saw it. And I know it may have even made top tens. Please no, we're not doing it. So, you know, I'm gonna stress again, make sure that you are seeking guidance on your posing because oh, right? there were a lot of people that were doing really excessively low bends you know on the side pose, and the back pose. there was yeah. way too much of this army stuffy stuff don't do that like yeah i mean so just please work with someone on posing and be really meticulous because you don't want to get all the way to this point and be at this level and this high level echelon finish and then ruin it because you're just not getting those marks and those in the 40% of where you can be picking them up, you're not picking them up. And I'd, I'd hate to see that because again, as I said, when the world returns to normal and it looks like it normally does, that's not going to get you where you want to be. So just I think this world, cautious. Yes. I think this world is going to really amp up a lot of international competitors to want to yes. come back. And it's, show it's very exciting. Yeah. 
Oh, I know it. I I know it. I'm excited. I, I trust me. I saw it from afar once. Like I'm literally looking at the show. I was like, everyone's I'm, so itching to get over this that it's not even funny. Like everyone's itching. It's I'm I'm telling you. I I knew it from like even my engagement going through the roof from everybody watching while there was worlds going on and literally me sitting backstage writing up a post of like how sad I was that Australia can't come here <laughs> and literally like the, the heaviness is still sitting and I just cannot wait to see all the competitors that are uh in Australia and UK and Brazil uh in Asia everywhere that they cannot compete yeah. right now These are like, all you know, our, countries that have not the, competed the Korean men the Korean men were missed in the men's lineup like they're 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 Oh, they're ridiculous. They're ridiculous. Like the Koreans conditions usually like came in. Our our Aussies that couldn't go, like yeah. And then the the male male categories were really lacking. Like oh, they were they were it was really felt for the boys because I felt like they yeah, I felt like they would have been disappointed too, being like, you know, shit, this is all we've got capable of hundred percent. You know what I mean? Like they would have loved must models have like so many more in this I know. It, was it was sad so yeah. like i i'm really you know hoping that things get better for you guys and hopefully yeah, you guys can you. get another uh show maybe maybe early in the year um or something like that for you guys because that's just it's just too long for you guys not to get on stage oh, like, 100%. I really like i don't been trying to plan my comeback show and prep based upon rough guidelines around a pregnancy it's very frustrating because i'm like can you just hurry up and fucking take so that i can actually have this and get over it and then start prepping like it's it's funny but that's what it's been like you know my entire comeback stage is dependent upon when the embryo decides to do what it's meant to do because for our listeners point of view um you know we had our very first transfer and we were waiting for the news. We were going to get the news two days after Worlds. And sadly, while Steph was actually on stage, I this lost. Horrible. I know. It, 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 and it actually was because I was watching you on stage and I was so fucking happy for you. And I started to get the most intense cramps. And then, yeah. Well, so anyway, we lost our so, baby as you won your fourth crowd which i was so happy for so um, bittersweet though that is it horrible. really was and i mean look what i was hoping for was to have a situation where i couldn't control my outcome with a stage i couldn't get my fourth in a row i had to hand that over begrudgingly <laughs> i was hoping i would be handing it over but then welcoming you know the next win yeah sadly didn't get that so so since i spoke to you we've had the loss and then we went straight into a sixth cycle to try to basically get another embryo on ice to replace the one we lost because the stats it's a numbers game this whole game is a numbers game it's so fucked it's honestly the Mm. shittest process to go through in the sense of you can't control a damn thing and it's just from the stats in science it's like you lose 50 percent from what you collect you lose 50 percent by day three you lose another 50 to 30 percent by day five and then by day five it's like biopsies and, and you may or may not get something that is usable after that like it's it's really quite so gut-wrenching right oh. so you know we were like okay we found out after the process that it can take three to four transfers before one takes well we only had four on ice 
And I'm like, well, I can't risk us having nothing left. So we took the break straight, straight into another drug cycle. You know, for anyone that's watching my stories, you've seen it, you know, you gain seven kilos in a week. You just feel like shit. There's so much hormones running through you. I had the worst cycle and the worst surgery post-surgery this time. It took me like, I was in excruciating pain for like two days. I had massive overstimulation where my ovaries were like way too just big. Like we got 30 embryos out. It was crazy. But out of all of that, we only had one at day five that was biopsyable. So it's it's just, it's devastating numbers. Achieve. But it is what it is. It's very normal. Like none of this is abnormal. It's very, very normal. So, you know, we had all of that go through and then now they've scheduled me for a laparoscopy surgery next month. Oh no, this month, next Monday, not this Monday, next. And then it takes a month after that before we can do our next transfer. And I mean, what we're really hoping for is that we have a you know, normal embryo in two weeks time from this last cycle, we did to replace the one we lost. Mm. And I'm really freaking hoping that we get a successful transfer in the next one um, that it takes because this surgery I'm having, this laparoscopy where they basically go in four points into my stomach and do this, it's like full exploratory. Anyone that's had endometriosis or PSOS will know what I'm talking about because this is a pretty regular thing for them. They'll go in and they'll cut bits out that might be growing into organs. So it's basically like spreading of cells. I've never had any symptoms of that, but they want to do that because they, you can you can basically have it and not have a symptom. So they want to rule that out because this process plus the scrape of my uterus can enhance the likelihood of your embryo actually taking. So we're fingers crossing. So I'm going to go through this big traumatic journey yet again, another trauma. Um, and then we're going to get something come out of it. That's what we're hoping for. So we're going to be praying for you. And uh, oh my God. everyone is going to be, you know, honestly. having you in your thoughts and like what you're going through, like, Hey, uh, all power, honestly, to you, because it's actually been harder than my broken back. Really? Yeah. You would yeah. say this is harder yeah. than your back. This is harder. Hear this people like the, the yeah. broken back was hard. I'd rather break my back here. again. I, I watched her do that. Well, not watch her literally break her back, but come, come back from that. And that was yeah, a journey for her. So this is, this is not only, you know, tough, um, I think yeah, for her and mentally, but also yeah. physically, as you guys are hearing, um, seven kilograms, guys, that's 15 pounds over here. Okay. Like 15 yeah, pounds. It high, is. You know? And, and steps fluctuating. you, you gain it. Right. And then you lose a little bit of it and then you go into the next thing and you don't drop all of it. So so it's just it's just cut, like you're just chasing your tail and it's really fucking mentally hard for you know at my level you know what you know I normally am looking like oh absolutely I know that's what the hardest part really has to be Ali's a three-time world champion she's also <laughs> always like literally in shape year-round yeah so. like I literally am four or five weeks from a photo shoot at any point in time so it's like it's very challenging and I'm okay also reminding yourself, right? Like I'm sure you have to remind yourself all the time that this isn't physical. This is obviously something that correct, hundred percent, hundred percent, and this is the goal. Hundred um, percent. And, and I had a whole bunch. So I had this really frustration um, day on Thursday. I think it was. I posted about it in my story, and I think it's really relevant for anyone listening to this because this can be translated to many things in life. 
And when you have this stage expectation and it didn't turn out the way you wanted to, or you've had a stage cancel and so you're not able to get on it, like whatever it is, this is a very transferable feeling. It was just this feeling of complete and utter fucking frustration. Frustration at, you know, an uncontrollable event. Frustration at, in my case, I don't have control over my body. Frustration that I don't have control over these outcomes. It's down to stats. It's down to numbers. It's down to roll. It's roll of the dice. It's Russian fucking roulette, right? And if your body doesn't respond, hundred percent, and you can't do that. And I couldn't, yep, I had frustration with my with my training and I can't do what I want. And what, okay, for everyone listening to this, for two weeks of every month, I can't fucking train because of the injections, the surgery in my back. Oh. So I'm literally going at half pace all year. But then on top of that, even my half pace can't be full pace because of considerations coming into and out of cycles and transfers and injections in my back. Like it's just... So I'm frustrated as an athlete. I'm really frustrated, more frustrated as an athlete than I am anything else at this point in time because you can't do anything about it. I'm just stuck where I am, taking each day as it is and praying that the next one's going to be better than the one before. Like that's literally where I'm at and it is fucking rough. But I can tell you this, I truly still believe it's going to happen for us. It's just hurry the fuck up already that's my vibe (laughs) um and you know look i'm gonna look at this and we'll have a conversation about this in six and 12 months time and i'm it's gonna be another blessing the same way my back was i'm gonna have learned from it i'm gonna have grown from it i'm gonna be a better athlete when i come out the back end of it and i know that so when i had that moment it lasted for about an hour or so and then i reframed it and and this is an important conversation because for everyone that's going through that vibe, that mojo, that mood, this is important. I had to catch myself and I had to be like, no, you know what? This is not the end game. My end game is this bundle of joy and this purpose we've got behind this, right? And this is part of the grind. This is like deep in prep, cows fucking low, having to assault bike, wanting to cry, grind. It's just a different form. And it might not be an aesthetically great one and that's fine. It's purposeful. So it's just leaning into it rather than fighting it. And it's finding the, the bigger picture again, you know? And I think that if you are at a point where you've just got off a stage, you're not happy about the outcome or there is a stage that's been canceled on you, you need to listen to what I'm saying to reframe that, you know, like I think you need to not get stuck in a pattern of, toxic mindset or thought processes because it's temporary it's not only just temporary it's also it's also very subjective to where we feel throughout the year so i think that we also forget that feelings come and go for us and the way we feel right then and there it could have been because of the show it could have been because of you know you just finding out the news and not really thinking of the bundle of joy like you just said that was the reason why you would have been like okay with it at the end of the day by the end of the day you probably were okay with it not like that but you know because like she said I'm like it's something that you have to understand not just your why but also you know kind of not having that toxic mindset of thinking that there's only one way uh, and that it's not temporary because everything is temporary, guys. I think that that's one thing that uh, we have to remind ourselves during the pandemic, 
quite often is that this is all, and, I, and I'm hoping and praying and crossing my fingers, it's all temporary, although this temporary is the longest temporary that I've ever <laughs> seen any, any go into, but um, feelings come and go. Obviously, yeah, um, you know, grounding ourselves with uh, deeper whys as well as, you know, um, realistic, really realistic goals is really yeah. important. And then yeah. things for us to just continue uh, striving longevity versus just like what's right in front of us. When we have a task that's just, let's say time frame of 12 weeks or like in your cycles are six weeks or something like that, right, Allie, or something it's like that. so fucking long, babe. They're like, it's like everything's on and done in a month, but it's, as I said, by the month's over, you only get like a one week, two week, we start to feel okay. And then it starts again. So it's like constant, it's, right? Con yeah. So you're, you're not stopping. No. So and then you're grieving, like you, you have these periods, which like you have the high and then you have the result and then you're like, fuck. So then you go through grieving. So it's so, emotional to physical, back to emotional. I think this is actually a good one for the listeners to, you know, kind of just uh, listen from you is how have you been able to, you know, deal with a little bit of the grieving side uh, with having yeah. you already kind of connect so that people can actually. I think, I think it's, it's relevant what you talk about with being realistic, right? So I just had to get really fucking real about the numbers and the science and the data and the stats and be like, okay, I, again, though, don't define myself by that and go, well, that's going to dictate my outcomes because I don't, I, but I'm aware of them. And when you're aware of them, it allows you to kind of go, well, there's nothing wrong with me and this is fucking normal and it sucks ball sacks, but I'm okay. And it's just about continuing doing what I'm doing. So I'm doing all the fucking right things, literally textbook. And I believe that like you do when you get to stage and you know, you've given it your all, you've done your all. And if you lose on stage next to someone, you cannot be angry about it. But when you win, you also know you win with conviction. Either of those outcomes can be said the same thing for when you follow the process. That's so exactly I'm just embedding myself in this fertility fucking roller coaster, like it's a comp prep, and I am riding the journey and the waves and the emotions and the highs and the lows, like I would a world championship chasing prep. I am applying the same process to this because it's the only way I know how to be. It's the best way I know how to Amen. get through something that might be physically taxing emotionally taxing, mentally challenging is to apply structure, to apply mm -hmm. a process, to have faith in the process, to believe in myself, to believe in the outcome, to believe in my why and to continue to have a why that I look to. Yeah. Because when everything goes sideways, which is going to, whether it's prep, whether it's life, whether it's IVF and fertility. Can't control it. Yeah. You cannot control these variables. You can't let let it define you though. And I guess, you know, when I had that frustration, it was because I was having frustration about where I'm at physically as an athlete. And that was just combined with everything else, right? Course, and I had to have that moment of, well, you know what? Fuck, I'm fine. I will <laughs> bounce back. I've, I'm going to do even better when You're I get an to athlete. You know okay. what I mean? Like I, <laughs> my mindset hasn't changed. So, but it is... Yeah. The, the thing that does make it harder is the grieving. You know, it's that factor, which, you know, you have losses and it's shitty. 
that that's the hardest part. I'm pretty sure for all, all the heartbreak you guys have had to endure. Um, but what I want everyone to hear over and over again is the fact that she trusted the process. You yeah. know, even though right now she's in like an area of unknown, she's still allowing her mind to trust the yeah. process to go through the process. And even though you may be on your fitness journey and don't know if this is working for you, if your body's not responding, if you are frustrated, it. if you, if you just don't think this is going to work, if yeah. you haven't got to where you want to be just yet, do not stop and do not lose faith. Just keep trusting the process apply a process, make sure you're going through a good process, good habits. Um, and it's going to all work out in the end. It really, really will. I truly believe that. Yeah. I think in all aspects of our life, um, if we really just apply ourselves. So Ali, yeah. that, that was, thank you for opening up and letting us in. My I think pleasure. My pleasure. I'll keep sharing. Powerful. So if anyone's following my journey, I'm um, apparently educating a lot of people. I'm getting a lot of messages where they're like, holy fuck I had no idea <laughs> or it'll be like I'm learning so much and I'm loving it so you know for everyone that is giving me positive support and just beautiful messages and you yes. know this on the harder days when I get them it's I love them so thank you Oh, well, we're all here to support your journey. We're following and we're praying and we're hoping this next transfer obviously is. Oh, fuck, you and me both. But in between that, you're going to be able to see my big, swollen, scarred belly because the laparoscopy, you get like, oh man, this journey, I tell you what, this kid had better, like, <laughs> Give me all of the love on the planet because what I've gone through. I hate you. Are, you. are you listening to me before you even arrive? I better be world's best mom on every coffee cup for the rest of my life because Jesus, Jesus Christ, <laughs> you are more wanted than I don't even know. You're more wanted than wine. Like I know. Like you are Is that so possible? Much more you're more loved than my than my chocolate bombs, like honestly. Um, but you know, seriously, I think um, all you can do, guys, listening to this, is a hundred percent. Don't give up on yourself. Don't give up on your why. Don't give up on your dreams, even if you take a few steps back, because I believe they're still waiting for you. It's just they're realized by the people that continue on the journey. They're not realized by the ones that give up. Don't be the one person that gives up. And no, I refuse to give up on mine. Please don't, because let me tell you, like, I would have still not be a champion the way I am today if I would have stopped and I would have literally just gave in and thought that this wasn't for me. I, I, I didn't think this was going to be anything out of this. And I just kept going and I kept trusting my process mm -hmm. and my dreams oh, and kept going after them and kept chasing them. So I hope that we are able to, you know, inspire any of you to chase your own mm -hmm. dreams as well as, you know, go through some uh, incredible uh, journeys <laughs> like Ali and, uh, and um, for everyone that is, for everyone that is following me and, um, you know, giving me support. Thank you again, because it means the world to me. And, um, you know, look, I hope that you all learn a little bit more as I share my journey in the coming weeks and, We'll be tuned for a transfer middle of October, I think. So let's hey, fingers yeah. crossed. We'll have a few more podcasts between now and then. But yeah, um, until sure. that, it's been so good to see you, Steph. I love you. I'm so Great. proud of you. I am so grateful that you're our four-time world champ because I can't picture a better, better role model for the young you. ones Thanks coming so through. Much. I freaking love you thank you so thank you thank you thank you honestly but um and everyone right, else beautiful. thank you all for listening and uh we will see you on the next podcast yes and for everyone please don't forget to comment 
to rate us, to share us with all your friends and family. Give us a review online. We really appreciate each and every one of you. And we hope that you enjoy this episode. Stay tuned for next week's and we will look forward to seeing you all soon. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Queen Divas, Queens of Fitness podcast. Make sure you follow us on Instagram at Queen Divas Pod, on Twitter at Queen Divas 4, and follow our hosts on Instagram, Alicia at Alicia Gowans underscore WBFF Pro, and Steph at Stephanie Ayala 7. See you all next week.